This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. He goes in the house and the house is empty. Empty. The only thing left was his clothes. She even took the nails out of the wall that held the pictures, kind of like how the Grinch stole Christmas. That reminds me of the movie True Lies. My ex-wife took the freezer trays out of the freezer. What kind of a sick bitch takes the freezer trays? You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast, and here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe, hit those notifications. You know what to do already. Sound off in the in the live chat if you guys are watching this during the live, the pre-recorded live on Monday mornings. I'm usually in there while editing videos, so... Let's have a conversation. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm sleeping in. Whatever. (laughs) Uh, But if you guys are watching this during the replay, please drop a comment below. Your favorite emoji doesn't really matter. All that kind of stuff boosts us in the algorithms. If you guys are listening on your favorite audio platform of choice, please give us a five-star review. It helps more than you know. Um, You guys can send super chats during these. I just can't show them on the screen, but I always screenshot them and share them on social media later. Uh, if you guys do want to support the show that way, follow me on social media, guys. The links are in the description. Get on the email list. I'm going to send you a bunch of free goodies. If you do that, uh, the link's in the description for that as well. Or you can go to list.comeonmanpod.com. Get my book, guys. Books.comeonmanpod.com will take you to my author's page on Amazon where you can get the Audible edition, the Kindle edition, the paperback, the hardcover, or even the special edition with, you know, dinosaurs and explosions on there. Gratuitous dinosaurs and explosions and hues. <laughs> Check out my practical law of attraction course, guys. LOA.comeonmanpod.com. It's a mindset course. And once you get your mind right, everything else will fall into place. Guys, join the beer club. At the time of this, uh, this episode drops, we will have had our free seminar from the legendary uh, porn star, Eric Everhard. Uh, that would have dropped yesterday. Um, if you guys weren't on the beer club, you guys missed it. But if you join the beer club now, you can watch the recording on Telegram. And then finally, coaching is available at gumroad.comeonmanpod.com. Guys, today is a very special episode. I have a very legendary guest. Some would argue is a legendary guest in the men's self-help space. His name is George Bruno. Maybe you've heard of him. He's kind of kind of a big deal around here. He's um, He's been helping men out for a long time now. I think he says something like 15 years. 15 years. Um, we go into a lot of stuff today, um, different ways to help men. We talk about how to, how to trim beards. In fact, after having this conversation with him, my goal is to grow this sumbish out. I'm going to grow this out, and I'm going to take his advice, and I'm going to work with a professional to keep it trimmed nicely. I'm going through an ugly stage right now. I don't know if you could tell. It's going th- I'm going through a little bit of an ugly stage right now, but that's okay. That's okay because George says just have patience with it. Um, guys, this is a real treat. Please stay tuned for this conversation, which I'll bring to you right after these words. Life is a journey filled with twists and turns. Why is it that essential life lessons aren't taught in school? You probably know that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. But do you know how to invest in a Roth IRA? We're not taught to build ourselves mentally, physically, and spiritually. The roadmap to success is more than just a college degree. You don't have to follow the traditional route. Success isn't confined to a classroom. It's about discovering your own path. You ever wish that someone handed you a guidebook to life when you were 18? Well, it's never too late to rewrite your story. Everything I wish I knew when I was 18. Advice for young men to create a great life for themselves. This book is your compass, guiding you to pick the right career, how to invest wisely, and how to prepare for a fulfilling future. To take control of your health and your fitness, learn how to date efficiently and find genuine desire, and master the art 
of leading healthy relationships. Your path is defined by the choices you make, not by others' expectations. Don't wait until you're 35 to unlock your potential. Order your copy now on Amazon. Rewrite your story. Build the life you deserve. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, joining me on the podcast, some will argue, is a bit of a legend in the men's self-help space. He's a men's coach and the host of the Listen, My Son YouTube channel. He's the Sultan of Silver. It's George Bruno. How are you doing today, sir? Good to be here, Paul. I'm doing great. I I appreciate you uh, taking the time to join me. I'm I'm glad we were finally able to connect. Um, Yeah. So people, for, for, for the guys watching or listening that... Uh, have been living under a rock. Can you give people the Cliff's Notes version of your Batman origin story and how you found your way to the men's self-help space? Yeah. I was a therapist for over 20 years. Credentialed, taught in five colleges, accomplished, speaking all over the world, and uh, went through a divorce. Surprise, surprise. That was, that was over 20 years ago. And uh, that starts a man searching. And it, like all paths lead to the red pill for a man who is searching, a man who's, uh, who saw the world how he wanted it to be. I'm going to use a lot of familiar phrases. For a man who saw the world as he wanted it to be, not how it actually was. For a man, as Rolo once accused me of, being stuck in old order thinking, which I got extremely pissed off at him for saying that, because that was like an insult. Yeah. But he was but he was right. He was right. And after a brief uh, civil war, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, I called him and apologized from the bottom of my heart, and I had never... Let me put it this way. I rarely apologize, but when you're wrong, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And I did that. Uh, I started getting invited to men's events. I've been doing this for probably 15 years. I spoke at men's retreats and conferences more than any human being I know. And then I discovered the online men's community and started getting invited to speak podcasts and various stages and it worked out well it worked out really well i started out speaking about men's grooming beards haircuts skin care mustaches you know shapes of beards and that kind of led to a lot of teaching about masculinity mm. For instance, some guys would trim their beards in a certain way and send me pictures and say, what do you think of this? And I'm like, well, it needs to be a little bit more masculine. It's kind of feminized the way you have it trimmed and all this kind of stuff. So that naturally led to talking about masculinity. It natural one thing led to another. And then I started pairing the concept of men's grooming with masculinity of helping guys look more masculine, especially the guys who didn't have a father figure, who taught them how to shave, who taught them how to take care of their bodies. I had a dad where we had a a heavy bag in the basement. We had a speed bag. We had a lap machine. We had benches and weights and dartboards and guy stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that was never an issue for me. But there's a generation now going on two generations of men who don't have that upbringing and they look at guys like me and you like the father they never had. And I never understood you're the father I never had. I get it now. It's taken me about 10 years to get that, but I get it now. And 
when you don't have that masculine influence and mom's boyfriend is not a masculine figure. Let's make that clear. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad divorce. The boys stay with mom 90% of the time. Mom starts dating. The boyfriend starts seeing the kids more than the father sees his kids, which is what happened to me. But the guy never wants to ruffle any feathers, and very rare is the boyfriend of an adult woman who is actually willing and able to discipline or use heavier words or corrective words with young boys. So what happens is they still grow up fatherless, even though they think they have a man in their life. Mm -hmm. And the father is reduced from father to uncle, seeing his kids two to four times a month after tucking them into bed every single night and saying prayers with them or bedtime stories. Now he's a visitor and we call it visitation, which blows my mind. You go from father to uncle, you go from parenting to visiting. Mm -hmm. And that always blew, that always blew my mind. And what happens is life follows the language that we use. So you end up being a visitor. You end up being uncle dad. Mm-hmm. And there's now two generations of men who have grown up like that. And they seek out channels like yours to look for direction. I had a dad who was a player. My brothers and I, we can't even imagine that there's people that teach men how to pick up a woman, mm-hmm. how to be appealing to a woman. I had a dad who was a player, big time. So we grew up with a little bit of swagger. We grew up like we weren't allowed to suffer or cry from rejection. It was like, get back out there. There was like zero sympathy in our household. And fortunately our dad is still living. He's 88 years old and he taught us a lot of lessons. He wasn't perfect. And I was very critical of him until I had kids until I became a father Mm -hmm. and that, And that changes everything Uh, in the same way that I was an expert at marriage until I got married. Right. (laughs) My dad always says that uh, kids are a parent's revenge, you know, because he's like, you don't you don't know what you put us through until your kids are putting you through the same thing. You know, it's and it's he's he's not wrong about that. let me ask. Let me ask you this then. I so I didn't know that you yeah. were uh, you were a licensed therapist for a, a number of years. So how do you go from doing uh, therapy work to teaching men about grooming? Well, I'm also a master, a licensed master barber in two states. My dad and my mother both cut hair. My dad was a barber part time, just like I am. I did an apprenticeship, and I'm a firm believer that a man needs a profession and a trade, a trade defined as something you can do with your hands. Mm. So I have a profession and a trade. I was the guy that cut people's hair in college. I was the guy that had, you know, the the chair set up in a garage, that kind of thing. Wherever I go, I bring scissors, comb, and clippers with me, that type of thing. So I saw a need on social media for that. And I was started talking about beards and mustaches and skincare and haircuts and uh, should you color your hair? Should you color your beard? What's the best haircut for thinning and receding hair? What should you do for this or for that? And, you know, should you shave your head? How do you shave your head? Um, I mean, there's a video on YouTube of me giving a straight razor shave, uh, shaving Rich Cooper's head. It's mm. it's bar- it's buried on the Internet somewhere. But I think I, I think I've just, seen it. I think I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's automatic. It's automatic. Uh, it's an automatic club card. If you're a barber, you, you automatically like, literally I have cops that are friends. I have mobsters that are friends. I have like one percenter biker gangs that are friends. You know why? Cause I cut their hair and I shape their beards. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like the priest, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I get 30 to 60 minutes with the guy and we're not talking about light stuff. It's usually the heavy stuff. I'll give you an example, Paul. Yeah. Uh, I had a guy who made an appointment with me. This is back in like 2015. And I, I cut hair part time. I'm a full time coach. 
I also work part-time in a prison, and I work part-time two days a week cutting hair, which is something I will do. My 88-year-old father still cuts hair every day, so it's something you can do. You never have to retire from it. As long as you have a steady hand, you can cut hair, and you can always make money. Every barber I know has a pocket full of money, every single one. So it's, it's a nice cash hustle. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, sits in my chair, tears in his eyes. I said, John, what, what's up, man? Like he was visibly distressed. And uh, he says, I came home from work. And there was a post-it note on the door that said, this marriage is over. He goes, I'm like, what the hell is this? He goes in the house, and the house is empty. Mm. Empty. The only thing left was his clothes. She even took the nails out of the wall that held the pictures, kind of like how the Grinch stole Christmas. That reminds me of the movie True Lies. You ever see True Lies? Yes, yes. Where, 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 uh, what's his name? His his partner is like, he's like, my ex-wife, took the freezer trays out of the freezer. What kind of a sick bitch takes the yeah. freezer trays? So she yeah. took the nails out of the wall. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, and as he's saying that, he's sobbing. And I said to him, John, I said, when did this happen? He said, 45 minutes ago. So I get men when they tell me, that their wife just conceived. I get men when that kid gets his first haircut. I get men when they get fired from a job, hired by a job. 45 minutes after the wife says this marriage is over, I get men when their mother dies, their father dies, when they get divorced, when they get separated, when they haven't seen their kids in six months. So I have been a listening ear to men for over 40 years hearing their stories mm-hmm. yeah okay so yeah you're you're well equipped at 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 dealing with with men's issues um yeah so let me ask you let me ask you this you're um going back to you know being a doing barber work and stuff your first video on youtube was from seven years ago and it was yeah. it was on trimming your own beard and what I, I, I what resonated with me when I was watching it was that I suck at trimming my own beard uh, after a certain length. Right. Because after like after at about this length, you know, you can still use a, a trimmer and with a guard is pretty easy. But anytime yeah. I try to let it get longer, it starts getting all frizzy and crazy. And I'm like, how the hell do guys do this themselves? And I'd love your video because you're like, don't do it. Don't do it yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because I was yeah. gonna, I was yeah. gonna ask you for some tips, but your your video clearly said no. Go to go to a yeah. pro. Go to a pro. Yeah. To a pro. So let me ask you. Let me ask you this then. How does it? How? What's the best way for a guy to get past the ugly stage? Because you know when you're growing your hair out, uh, or when you're growing your beard out, it goes through these like it, it looks great, and then it goes through an ugly stage, and then it looks great yeah. again. It's uh, how do you yeah. get get through that with the beard anyway? patience I, i've been telling women for years like look for a man who has a beard because that's a patient man because it takes patience the only thing that solves your beard problems is time and length that is it not there's no product in the world there's no technique in the world it's time and length you just got to put the time in and then when you do when you do have the critical mass of facial hair you don't snap on a guard and mow it down because you don't want a face-shaped beard. You want a beard that kind of departs from the face. Has its, I like to say your beard should have its own zip code. Okay. It literally should, it should, not, it should not be the shape of your face. You can, all haircuts and beard sculptings are an optical illusion. They take your eye away from one thing and put it on another thing. Mm. I don't have a prominent masculine jaw, but I got one now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's with exactly my beard. Why I have a beard? That's because if you ever see like older videos where I've, I've I've trimmed it way too short, it's like my chin sucks. Thank you, Grandma, uh, Grandma Bauer. Uh, 
her like the, her f- side of the family they just had very weak chins so i don't have a very yeah. prominent chin so it's like i'm yeah. hiding that shit with a beard yeah <laughs> yeah and and that's a fact i mean you can do you can do anything with your face i mean you've seen the videos of the father you know who shaves his beard off and then you know, goes to hold his little baby and the baby starts crying because the, the child is so used to the dad with the beard or how many married men do I know that shave their beard off and their wife, you know, and their wife met them while they were bearded. Mm-hmm. And the wife says, mm, you need to grow the beard back. <laughs> I've seen that many times. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was lucky enough. Cause I, when I met my, my now ex-wife, I met her when I was in the Navy, so I had to have a clean-shaven face. So she knew yes. what she was getting. But, yes. uh, but yeah, er, uh, ever since the divorce, like all the girls I dated, it's always I've always had facial hair. And, um, you know, if I ever shave it off, I immediately regret doing it. <laughs> so uh, I Yeah. I think I've been clean-shaven five times in my adult life. And when I do take it down, I just go to a goatee. And I'm happy. And usually it's a goatee of, like, a biker goatee where it just kind of goes like that. It's not mm. just straight down. Uh, many times I'll carve kind of like a little triangle thing, you know, into my soul patch. You know, I, I make it more, it's not just standard goat. You know, I, I try to be a little creative with my facial hair. I like it tight on the sides, uh, longer at the chin length. I'm a firm believer that you can create almost anything you want. I'm looking for a straight edge here, but I'll, I'll use, uh, I'll use this here. Okay. When it, when it comes to a beard, I don't like, if I create this plane right here, this straight line, Yeah. I don't want my beard going beyond that line. I don't like a wide beard. I want a longer beard, not a wider beard. I think it's more, I think it's a nicer look for men when they have a more length than width. Mm. Yeah, Fir- yeah. Firm believer in that. And and then how long you grow, that's up to you because that, that will determine how you are received in so many different parts of life, whether it just be like the average biker bar, like what I go to, if I go in clean shaven, I'm invisible. I go in with a big beard. It's fist bumps and bro hugs. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I have a long beard, white women, I'm invisible. Black women. Ooh, can I touch your beard? (laughs) Okay. So, I have found down if you want black. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) The, the type of facial hair that you have does attract different people. It is an absolute fact, absolute fact right now. This is kind of like my optimum beard. Look, it's like the perfect length. It's just lined up perfectly. I just, it just works for me. Women love it. And it just works when it's longer. ZZ top duck dynasty and i've done that before there's a whole different kind of person that you attract whole different thing going on and it was a great social experiment for me i've grown probably about a half dozen long beards in my lifetime and like past my chest like really big beards and uh like i said it's been one big giant social experiment as far as how people receive you and then add, add to that when, you know, every guy, I mean, I had black hair. I had, I was a handsome young man at one time and then I went salt and pepper and then I went gray and then it went white, Mm -hmm. like a complete evolution. When you have a white beard, it's different than having a black beard because people do treat you different. They open doors for you. They call you, sir. Uh, I remember I was never called brother in my life till I grew like a big beard. Like, mm. what's up, brother? Good morning, brother. I'm like, brother? Like, no one ever called me brother. Except my brother. So, uh, but it's it's been very fascinating as as the length changes, as I've changed the styles, as the color has changed. I don't know where it's going to go from here. I think white is the last stop at this, uh, at the beard train station. So, okay. Yeah. I, it, it's, you're, it's funny. I, I actually call everybody brother. And, uh, and I got that. I actually 
know exactly where I got that. I was uh, I used to work for a tech company, and there was a sales guy, and the sales guy he he used to call everybody brother, and it just rubbed off on me because he would come down and say, "Hey man, I need this laptop fixed," and I was like, "Oh, I got you," and he's like, "Oh, thanks, brother," and I was like, "Yeah, I like that. I kind of like that." So I start I start calling yeah. everybody brother, but yeah. people don't take don't uh, they don't appreciate that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. What yeah, that. that's funny. So, so, um, so I do want to, I do want to touch on this and it's not any kind of like gotcha moment or anything. It's just my own curiosity and we don't have to yeah, get go any, for any kind of depth of it, but you did talk about the civil war and, um, I don't really want to talk about the civil war in general. I want to talk about beefs in the manosphere, right? There's yeah. a lot of yeah. beefs in the manosphere and I want to know your thoughts in general on beefs in the men's space, um, yeah, you know, do you think there's too many in the men's space? Do you think some are justified? Do you think all of us should just try to get along and help out men? Like, what's your take on it? Great question. Great question. Uh, there was a time when feminists were the biggest enemy of men in the men's community. Mm-hmm. I don't call it the manosphere. I call it the men's development arena. I, to me, the manosphere. I probably was the first one that said it sounds like a gay nightclub. I mean, if there was such thing as gay nightclub, Manosphere is the perfect name for it. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just, it's like a weird anything with O sphere on the end of it, the Apollo sphere, the Georgia sphere. It's just, it's just too gay for me. I don't know. So I like men's development. I that's just my personal opinion. I, I've been, and I've been to, trying to say men's self help space a lot. Uh, exactly. But, okay. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So, um, I. <sighs> I said we used to be attacked by feminists and kind of like these blue pillish kind of guys. And, and I, you know, I kind of welcome that. And then we started kind of like cannibalizing each other. Mm. And I don't know when that started. Actually, I do know when it started and I don't like it. And that's, I think that was, you know, part of the civil war. No, no names mentioned at all here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I, I do think that we need to kind of like unite on what we do believe in and be, because we have all kinds of guys here. I mean, we're not a monolithic population. We're different. Mm-hmm. We're all different colors, all different education, all different experiences, uh, different ways of speaking, different languages. And, I honestly believe, and I've been part of more men's conferences than any human being I know. I've stood on all the stages, every, all over the world, everywhere. And I think if we stay united on the issues that men are dealing with, and there's usually like three or four issues, pretty much, um, I think that we're going to be okay. I don't want to point a finger. I was part of that civil war. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, in, I'm not interested and I've made apologies to people and there's still a couple other people and I'm not like an AA guy. You know how like part of the 12 steps is to make amends with people. There's still a couple people I have to get a hold of somehow, some way and literally just say, Hey man, I'm sorry. Mm. I'm sorry. And, uh, if you say you're sorry without saying I was wrong, it goes like this. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Then it's then it's kind of like on them at that point. You can say you're sorry. That's it, it, you know it's it's like the husband saying, you know, honey, you put on a lot of weight, mm-hmm. and the woman says, you know, are you saying I'm fat? Like apologize to me right now, and the and the husband says, I'm sorry, you're fat. <laughs> <laughs> like so, what I don't want to do is lead with, you know. I'm sorry you were an asshole. Right. You know, because that's a fake apology. Uh, apologizing truly is humbling yourself and saying, you know, I'm sorry I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Even better yet, I'm sorry I was wrong and it won't happen again. I'm a, I'm a grown-ass man. I'm going to be 64 years old. Mm-hmm. Should, should men in their 60s be apologizing? Sure. As long as you're breathing. If you do something wrong, don't be afraid to apologize. Get it off your chest. You feel better. You mm-hmm. feel better. 
Yeah. Now, it's it's be- it's better for your mental health. It's better for the community. It's good to have it's good for our audiences to see us making amends and getting along. I don't think it does anyone any favors. I know there's been talk in the men's community about the professional wrestling aspect of it. And I get that. I, yeah. I understand the beefs can get Glenn and I did a whole sh- spoof on that earlier. I I saw that and I I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, you know, I I am I am a big fan of that with you guys. I just I always enjoyed that. But the um I, I just I just don't think that anybody benefits when we tear other people down. I mean I see entire broadcasts against people, entire broadcasts exposing people entire broadcasts of just hammering people and you know what life is pretty tough all by itself we don't need to make it tougher and if i can help anyone in the men's community just elevate themselves i'm i'm willing i'm there i'm there so that's that's my attitude and then people will judge you because you don't take sides the men's community as we know it now is a game of associations it is, and it's tribes like, it's almost like uh yeah it's almost like you know gang warfare <laughs> out yeah, here yeah it's, yeah yeah it's funny uh yeah when glenn and i did a show on that like swimming we called it yeah. swimming in the mana swamp and uh stealing a rich cooperism and it was like yeah it, it, it's like i'm a pro wrestling fan it's like factions in in the wwe and it's it's kind of silly one of the one of the first bigger names i had on my podcast and i say bigger names and now he and i you know hang out periodically it's is aaron clary and he came on the show first time i talked to him after i was done with that that recording he's like man he's like you are so new to this space like you could talk to anybody you could talk to anybody you haven't gotten any beefs with anybody he's like keep it that way just stay out of it. It's like high school. You you want to stay out of that. And I was like, thank you. So I, I took that to heart. I really do try to stay out of the, you know, the squabbles and stuff. Cause it, I, I, I'm here to help men. I don't really want to get into any of that kind of stuff. If I can help. Yeah. Really. How, how, how much do exposés uh, pay your bills? The, well, they're good for, not people. at all. They're good for, you people. know, <laughs> yeah. And, and that, and that's about it. I, I've shared yeah. the stage uh, with Aaron before a few times and uh, had him on my show a few times, had him on the channel a few times and uh, delightful, delightful guy. Uh, definitely uh, an important voice. I think there's only one voice that I don't think is very, actually two voices that I don't think are very important in the men's community. I'm not going to say who they are, but everyone else has a place, man. Everyone has a place and everyone's important. Mm-hmm. Everybody, all of us guys are important. We all have an audience. I still look at my numbers and I go, how the hell did that happen? So, you know, and it's not for everybody. That's why there's different flavors of ice cream. That's, mm-hmm. you know, like when I, when I do panel shows, they're completely different than the the other panel shows that are part of the men's community. I do something completely different and we have a great time. And I have, I don't think I've, I don't think I've seen any, uh, any of your panel shows. What, uh, how do you run a panel show? Usually with, uh, with my audience, I really honor my audience. I, I reward them. I put them on the air. I want to hear their voices. I want to see their faces. I want to see their opinions. I have, uh, out of 224,000 subscribers, I have 91% men and 9% women, which comes out to about 13 or 14,000 women. And I once asked, why the hell would a woman watch my channel? Like, Mm -hmm. why? Because sometimes I say things that are not female-friendly. Let me put it that way. Yeah. And, uh, some women stepped up to the plate and said, George, we love your channel because we have brothers, we have fathers, we have sons, we have male neighbors, male coworkers, male friends that we love and care about. And some of my best referrals have come from the ladies who tune in to my show and then refer their male friends or their son, their father, whoever. And, I've learned not to alienate them. And I was doing that. I was doing that pretty quickly. 
for a while there. And I don't want to, even though I call myself a men's channel, I, I know that the ladies lurk. Mm-hmm. But when they show up in the chat, I want to hear their opinion. And what happens is I don't end up attracting the, I don't attract kind of like the, the fresh and fit gals. And I know those guys personally, and I consider them friends Mm -hmm. and I've worked with them before. I don't have the fresh and fit kind of women on my channel. I have moms and sisters on Mm -hmm. and we talk about things. I'm not saying it's better. It's different. It's different. And when you get a guy with gray hair and a gray beard talking about picking up women and this, it, to me, it's cringy. It's on the, on the verge of cringe. When a guy like my age starts talking about that kind of stuff, I leave that to the, the young guys. I leave that to the, to the other fellas. That's not my role. Mm. My role is, is to catch a guy on his way down. So he doesn't hurt himself. Mm. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's inter- One thing I, I do like to point out, because you said that you have different types of women, uh, moms and, and, and sisters and stuff like that. One, yeah. one thing that I'd like to emphasize on my show is, uh, you know, a lot of guys end up watching shows like like Fresh and Fit and, you know, not to take anything away from them. But they'll, yeah. what they'll end up doing is start forming this opinion that uh, all the women out there are only fans, girls and strippers yeah. and, and whatever. Yeah. And it's like, man, the United States is pretty big. It's pretty yeah. big place. You don't see a lot of that kind of stuff in Kansas. <laughs> you know, yeah. you might see a lot of that kind of stuff in Miami per, per se, but you, you know, the, it's a big place. You know, you can't, yeah. you can't sit there and say all women are only fans girls now. Cause they're, that's yeah. just not true. It's just yeah. not true at all. There's still some decent, you know, salt of the earth type women out there, you know? Yeah. My, my last two girlfriends are fans of the show. Uh, current relationship that I'm in, I don't, I don't have a bigger fan than her. Mm-hmm. I don't have a bigger fan. And she understands when she first met me, she's like, why do you hate women so much? <laughs> and we were laughing. I'm like, I don't. And she, mm-hmm. I said, just watch more of the podcast. Just, w-. and then, um, she says, you really do care about men, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. She goes, that's what I love about you is that you care about people. Mm-hmm. I don't live to ridicule people. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It, I mean, well, yeah, when you get like that, you're you're just holding resentment for other people. It's uh, I've heard people say it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. You know, <laughs> it's just no, no exactly. way to live. Exactly. Yes. No way to live. Yeah. My uh, my girlfriend, I call her nurse chick. Uh, mm-hmm. She's probably she's my biggest fan. She's she's in the mm-hmm. live chat every morning. She listens to every episode. Her mm-hmm. she's got a, a, a young daughter. Um, herself and she's uh i guess she was driving her her daughter to school the other day and her daughter goes mom why aren't we listening to paul's show <laughs> on yeah. the way to school i was like yeah your daughter's listening to my show too okay that's that's great <laughs> that's funny but I, yeah, but yeah. Nurse, i i have I, I have fathers and sons and mothers and daughters that yeah. watch my show on a regular basis and uh you know it's as i've watched you talk about your woman mm-hmm sounds like you have a builder that's why i like to say i've been telling men for years now look for a woman who's a builder people say a builder build what and i said some to build something that will outlive both of you mm. many women end up being destroyers they flex their destroyer muscles and look for a woman who builds because patterns don't lie if a woman has like i tell guys all the time you know, if she had her last eight boyfriends, she called the cops on every single one, one of them, and that ended the relationship. There's a good chance she's going to call the cops on you for some bullshit, some reason. Patterns do not lie. Mm-hmm. She's, a, she's a destroyer. Look for a woman who is a builder. And that has been my theme forever. That's why I joke around and say, you know, I'm the builder, Bruno, the builder, not destroyer. And I had to, that's a conscious decision. Because a lot of times building isn't popular. Destroying is popular. Gossip is popular. Exposing people is popular. Civil wars are popular. Taking sides with tribes is popular. Not interested. I'm building a community of like-minded men who want to grow. I say get on the positivity 
train. Just get on the train and don't get off, man. Health, wealth, and positivity is where it's at. So if I can help a guy lose 10 pounds, if I can help a guy help repair a relationship or find a new relationship, if I can help a guy make another $1,000 a month, excellent, fantastic. I've succeeded. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a, a, a about the finding a woman uh, that's a builder. That's actually really good advice because there there are women out there like that. A lot of guys start watching a lot of the content in the space and they think, ah, you know, there are all these women, these modern women. It's like no, they're if you just keep your eyes open and you're focused on these types of women and you stop focusing on these types of women like we get what we focus on in life you'll you'll find more you know kind nurturing caring women that are you know maybe lean a little more traditional it's pretty hard to find you know a beaver or you know a a, a june cleaver at nowadays but you can get you know <laughs> i i drive i drive a, a toyota tacoma i never really noticed them until i had one now i see toyota tacomas everywhere okay mm -hmm your mind moves in the direction of its most dominant thoughts. If all I do is listen to content and media that is saying all women are like that. And, and to an extent, they are all like that. But what are we talking about when we say like that? What are we talking about? You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they're not all bad. Yeah. One woman, one woman said to me, she says, George, there are some good women out there just like there are good men out there. And she didn't crack a smile. She didn't point her finger at me. And I was just like very convicted at that moment because I was seeing nothing but bitches and hoes mm -hmm. because that was the content. After my divorce, I was attracted to bitch and hoe content. Yeah. yeah. But that's all I saw then, like Toyota Tacomas. That's all I see. You know, if I tell you don't don't think about red Honda Civics, what's going to happen? You're going to see nothing but red Honda Civics. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's important that we kind of resist the programming of the manosphere and start to favor the positive content and media of the men's self-help space, the men's development community, the men's development arena. I think that's, I think that's where we need to go. I think that's the future of men's self-help of men's development. I yeah. do. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, let's switch gears here a little bit. Sure. Let's, let's go back. Let's go back to uh, barbering and stuff. I was looking at your gum sure. road. Yeah, you, yeah. On gum road, you have an essay on why you prefer barbershops over national chains. Uh, can you give us a, just a gist of that opinion? Yeah. I'm, a, I'm inclined yeah. to agree with you because I, every, yeah. when I go to a, like a, like a great clips, I mean, there's something different between going to a beauty salon and a barber, like a classic man's barbershop, you know, like I used, I used to always get, I used to always get high and tights cause I was a military guy. This, now I shave my head, yeah. but, um, Man, you go to a, a, a classic barber, they get that so that fades so smooth. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you go to a you go to a, a, a chain and they, they can't do it to save their lives, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, but what's yeah. your opinion on that? I'm a, a strong believer in personal craft, not corporate policy. And I think a lot of the chains, um, I call them hair butcheries kind of a play on words of another place that sounds like the word hair butchery, but I'm not going to say the name of the place. <laughs> um, I grew up with a, a mother that cuts hair and a father that cuts hair. So I've seen the personal attention that can be given to a man. I do every, like, for instance, um, when you sit in my chair, I put a neck strip around your neck put the cape around it and seal it so no hair goes down your back because what happens after you get a haircut nine times out of ten you can't wait to get home and get a shower because you're just itching you're just like you know the rest of the day you're itching if i can prevent that if a guy has to go to a business meeting or a business lunch or on a date he's good i got his back he's not going to be itching and shifting and moving and squirming all night because you know little pieces of hair went down his neck uh, i clean a guy off as far as 
I have a, a like a lint brush and a roller. You know, I'll straighten out a guy's lapels, tighten up his tie a little bit. I even have a microfiber mitt with like this shoe shine stuff in it. And I just do a quick little shoe shine kind of thing. I like to say that my haircuts help guys uh, get the job, close the sale, and get the girl. Mm. So I sell the effects of a good haircut, not just the good haircut. I sell what a good haircut gets you or what a good beard shaping gets you. Just like in sales training, they say you're not really buying a drill, a drill bit. You're buying the quarter-inch hole. So you're, you're getting the effects of a good haircut. Everybody walks taller when they have a nice fresh shave or a fresh beard trim or a nice haircut. Everybody feels better about that. Uh, my dad cut my hair up until I was about 26, 27 years old. I live in Philadelphia. I am from New York, which means that I used to go home about every two months to get my hair cut. Then my parents moved to Florida when I was in graduate school. I could no longer just shoot up the Jersey Turnpike and get a haircut anymore. I'm like, oh, shit, I actually got to go to a barber or go somewhere to get my hair cut. And I wasn't happy with what I got because my dad is the finest barber I've ever sat under. And I have many videos of my dad cutting my hair in his garage. It's really funny. And so what I did was I started going to different barbers and stylists for almost 30 years. Mm. Every single month, a different one from $7 haircuts to $250 haircut experiences. And I learned something, even though I cut hair and I can cut, I cut my own hair, but I learn from everybody. I was in Orlando and I went to a hood shop, got a haircut and a beard trim. And at the end of the experience, a dude put a hot towel. He leaned me back in the chair, put a hot towel on my face, and then he took the blow dryer and blow dried my face back and forth, up and down, through the hot towel. And I'm like, dude, that feels fucking awesome. I'm like, it was like a, it was like a facial massage with air. It was weird. It was, and it was so friggin' relaxing at the end of it. He sat me up, cleaned me off, dusted me with powder, whatever. I said, dude, young, young dude, about 21 years old. I said, where did you learn that towel blow dryer thing? He goes, I just made it up. I'm like, dude, I'm stealing that. I am totally <laughs> stealing. So every time you go somewhere, look for one little thing that is distinctive to that person. One little thing. And after going to over 300 barbers and stylists, I don't know anyone who's been to that many. I don't know a single human being that has been to over 300 different barbers. I learn something from everybody, everybody. Hence, that's why uh, the, the most well-paid stylist in the world knows who I am. I was at a hair show in New York. I go to hair shows every year in New York and Orlando. And because uh, I just want to stay on top of things. And he was speaking in a room with about 2,500 beauticians, stylists, estheticians, and all this kind of stuff. And there was no seats left in the uh, auditorium. And I'm walking out. And over through the microphone in front of 2,500 people. He says, George Bruno, don't you dare leave. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so I stayed there. At the end, he came up to me, shook my hand, give me a hug. And he says, I've been a fan of yours for years now. I've watched everything you do. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I said, I watch everything you do. And this is kind of like men's community stuff where you kind of like honor each other. Yeah. You know, you're not trying to show each other up. Like everyone has a, everyone in the men's community, all of us influencers, whether we like it or not, we're, we're making an impact and we're influencing people. We shouldn't try to one up each other. Everyone has a skill. Everyone has a, a talent that 
an edge, a proprietary way of doing things in the men's community. But back to the hair thing, this guy here, he gets $2,500 a haircut. He does all the Hollywood stars, literally. Like He's the who's who of Hollywood stylists, and this guy watches me. And I'm like, son of a gun. And I'll never forget. I said, what's the secret, man? How, how are you so successful? He said, people come to you for an experience, not a haircut. And that changed the way that I do everything. Everything. Everything is about the experience. The five senses, what they smell, what they see, what they feel, what they experience, what they think the questions that I ask them. Nobody comes to me for a haircut. You can get a haircut anywhere. And that's what he used to say. He goes, you can get a haircut anywhere. He goes, people come to you for the experience. He said, how many salons or barbershops do people pass to come to see you? And I said, oh, God. I said, they might pass 20 barbershops to come sit in my chair. As a matter of fact, men come from 24 countries no, 24 states in nine different countries to come get their hair cut. And I only cut hair two days a week. It's, oh, wow. not like I got, it's not like I got this massive business. They come from all over the world to sit in my chair. 100% from my social media. I do zero advertising. Zero. I have people have said it's, it's, it's my dream to come and get my hair cut or get my beard trimmed by you. I've been looking forward to it for years. And, of course, the uh, the place that I work at, they're like, oh, my God, can your customers just, like, fawn over you enough? I'm like, <laughs> I said, there's a, there's a lesson for you. Get yourself on social media. Press record. That's <laughs> it. And show how unique you are. Show how different you are. And that's exactly what I do. So the most, the highest paid stylist in the world is a fan of mine, and I'm a fan of his. I did not know he was a fan of mine, but the reality is, people, it's like anything in life, any service, people pay for the experience, not for the actual, like I, do you remember, like if you would hire a plumber or an HVAC person to come to your house, they'd come in with their pants halfway down their ass and leaving mud or like greasy footprints, you know, and, yeah, and then the all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. and, th and then that company, I forget the first company that started, like you're going to put on booties, those little like medical, you know, those doctor booties before you come in, you're going to have clean hands and nails and you're not going to have, you know, plumbers crack and all this kind of stuff. And they made it an experience. And you're like, wow. And they talk to you like a human being, not like an idiot. They didn't smell like shit or like smoke or anything like that, you know. And they won. Now they are the ones to beat. Like, mm -hmm. if you just hire some schmuck to come in and work on your furnace or your air conditioner, he better have his shit together. There's something about a uniformed guy walking in your house with the booties on. You know, like that kind of thing. I And I think what they did is they created a customer service experience. And I think that's important in all trades and all industries, is that we don't shame people for their questions. We don't shame them for their problems. We don't shame people in the, well, I don't shame people if they're blue pill. I don't shame people if they've made bad decisions regarding women. Because guess what? I got to look in the mirror at myself and say, you know what? I was there too. Mm -hmm. I'm not any better now because I see the world in a different way. It takes a long time for people to come around, for men to come around and see the light. You know, when it comes how to conduct themselves in a relationship. So I think when it comes to the men's community and the hair community, let's, let's create good customer service. Mm. let's create good customer service period. Yeah. That reminds me of uh, one of, one of my first jobs when I was a, a teenager, I worked at a, I worked at a Safeway, a supermarket. And I remember uh, it, that's really where I learned customer service skills. That was, that mm -hmm. job taught me so much about customer service. And that was just like you said, it's almost not the experience necessarily, but they said, they said, 
our prices are really no different than King Supers or Albertsons and you know some of the yeah. other competitors out there. They go, why people come to us is because we offer superior customer service. If if you someone comes up to you and asks you, hey, where's the cereal? Don't say, oh, it's on aisle twelve, and they go back to sweeping. They say, no, you walk them to that. You walk them there. Yeah. What kind of cereal are you looking for? Let me help you. And oh, do you want do you want to sample it? You can go ahead and open it and and give them give them the experience, like you said. Um, Yeah. So I really took that to heart. And now the the sad thing is, is that's rare. It is rare these days. You people don't teach customer service anymore. People teach uh, that the customer's not always right. And man. People just, it's a lost art now. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you a good example, Paul. I, I, I'm i a firm believer in having, like I said, a, a profession and a trade and a, and a side gig of some type. Even if you just like drive limo one day a week, you know, for an extra 100 bucks, 150 bucks or whatever, uh, or pocket money or whatever. I, I encourage all men to just like go to your local limo company and apply for a job. Just tell them you're available one night a week. You know, just doing airport runs or something like that, okay? I used to work from 2 o'clock in the... This is decades ago. 2 o'clock in the afternoon till about 2 in the morning. It was a 12-hour shift. I did that a couple nights a week. And you, people would pay with a credit card and pay ahead of time. And then the tips were given to you if they if they put the tip on the credit card... The tips were given out as cash at the end of the shift. So at 2 in the morning, there was 20 limo drivers at the dispatch office. He would say, Smith, you got $70 like that and give him $70 cash. And that was all verified because the people already swiped the credit cards and all that. Bruno, you got $220. Everybody looking at me like, what the like, like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? How, How are you getting $220 in tips? Mm-hmm. And I consistently got over 200 every time I worked. Let me tell you what I did. I had a little handheld vacuum and I vacuumed out the crumbs and shit and hair and whatever in the limo before my shift. I had a Snapple bottle that I put in the cup holder and I'd always, I passed a field that always had wildflowers and I picked wildflowers and I put them in the Snapple bottle. So here was like this little makeshift Snapple vase with flowers in it. Beautiful. Cause I think wild flowers are better than any commercially grown flowers. Uh, I had a little igloo cooler, igloo cooler, uh, with ice packs in it with water bottles, um, iced tea, soda, that kind of thing. And granola bars and like that, you know, like energy bars, this kind of stuff. And, when the person got in the vehicle, I would say, can I offer you a, a bottle of water or iced tea or soda? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll have a bottle of water. I'd hand it to them. And I would say, is there any music, that, any type of music that you prefer or would you rather uh, drive with silence? Rather than just my choice of putting on the fucking talking heads or something, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they would say, classical music would be fine. It didn't matter. Didn't matter. Whatever it was, I had that programmed in. And then, obviously, open the door for them when you get to the airport or the destination. Open up the trunk, take the suitcase out, and don't just put it on the pavement. Bring it up to the sidewalk. Lift it up on the curb. Point it in the direction of the door that they're going to have to go through at the airport. Pull the handle up. If they have a carry-on, put that over the handle. So all they got to do is grab and go. It didn't take me any extra effort at all, like or very, very little to do that. I created an experience that always paid off. Think about the average limo driver. Just takes the bags out of the trunk, puts them down on the ground. I made it easy for them. Mm-hmm. Grab and go. But it started with the first minute in the vehicle. That's what customer service is all about. When I cut hair, like I said, I have a lint roller. I'll straighten out lapels, a tie. I literally will shine someone's shoes. Am I, am I above that? Nope. You know why? Because I always get huge tips. 
always. And if you if your tips don't exceed your commissions, you're doing something wrong when you're in the mm. service business. Mm. Yeah. People are willing people are willing to part with their money for a good experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good life lesson for the guys listening, especially the younger guys cuz it really is a lost art. It's 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 almost yeah. frustrating now cuz it's so hard to find good customer yeah. service and just nobody cares anymore. Yeah. Um, let me ask, I, we're, we're almost at an hour here, so I only got a couple more questions, but I got to know this, George. I've seen videos of you stirring your coffee with chopsticks using the Vortex method. It, it allegedly improves the taste of coffee at the molecular level. Yeah. Where did you learn that? And is that true? <laughs> Long story short, yeah. I get up at four o'clock in the morning. I usually. Like when I'm done with this, it's eight o'clock now for me. When I get done with this, I'm, I'll be heading to bed within 30 minutes. I go to bed early. I get up early only because I get more done in the morning than most people do. Even before that, you know, like by the time people wake up, I already have two to three hours of work done already. So stirring your coffee with a spoon is like ringing a damn bell to the rest of the house. Okay. You wake people up at four in the morning going ding, 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 you know. So I just reached into the drawer, took out some chopsticks, and wooden chopsticks stir your coffee very quietly. And someone said to me once, why do you use chopsticks? And the spontaneous answer was, oh, that's the vortex method. It optimizes the taste of my coffee at the molecular uh -huh. level. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Okay. And, and that and that became a thing. So now I pick up women with the vortex method at the molecular level. I I mean, like it has become a movement of people. I have people they're coming in now. People want signed chopsticks for like women, girlfriends will say, "Can you sign a pair of chopsticks and send them to me? I want to give them to my boyfriend or my husband or whatever yeah. because he's he watches you every day and he would just you know, and I'm like, sure, of course. So, do you have, so, do you have, do you have merch with like a, just a coffee with ch chopsticks in it, and it's like vortex method. I, <laughs> I, I had, I had shirts on Teespring that had that. Yeah, I probably wow. should start them up because people ask about it all the time. It's, as a matter of fact, I'm walking through a mall, which I rarely do, and I pass a couple, and I hear her saying this. She goes, "Honey, it's a chopsticks guy." <laughs> that's funny okay i'm it glad is. i asked you about that yeah okay so last question here you often start your videos with a joke mm -hmm. what's do you have a favorite go-to joke that you could tell right now or, or am i putting you on the spot no no the uh husband says if i died she's like don't talk about dying he says if i died would you remarry? She says, I don't know. We've been married for so long and I love you. And, you know, maybe after so many years, I would. I don't know. I, but, but, honey, I love you. He said, okay. He says, if I died, what would, what would happen? Would, would he drive my car? She's like, honey, that's your car. That means so much to me. It's like, but, you know, if it's running, it's cheaper than buying a new one. So, yeah, maybe, you know, yes, maybe. He said, what about the bed? He says, we bought that bed. That's our bed. Would he be sleeping in our bed? She's like, she goes, you know, that's a hard question because I love you so much. We had so many good times in that bed. And, and he's like, okay. And then he says, what about my golf clubs? She says, no, never in a million years. Not, he will not, no, he will not use your golf clubs. The husband says, really? She goes, yeah, he's left-handed. Ah! 
<laughs> I love it. That's great. George, this has been this has been a really fun conversation. Uh can you give us some parting wisdom and then let people know where they can find you online? Yeah. Save the man, not the marriage. When you save the man, the marriage does stand a chance. If it doesn't make it, then guess what stands a chance? The man. Yeah. I can be I can be found at YouTube. My channel is called Listen My Son. It's not about me. It's about the wisdom that I share. And literally, it's a play on the book of Proverbs where the recipient, the reader, is called my son. All the lessons are my son. So that's why I changed it from my name to Listen My Son. And hopefully, it will live on long after I'm gone. All right. Sounds good. I'll be sure to link to that in the description. George, thank you so much for joining me today. You're, you're welcome back anytime. Great conversation. I'd love to have you on the show and talk about your book. I'm excited about. It. I think I, I think I bought your book when you first announced it right away before it became the Amazon bestseller. Oh. And, yeah, I think I was one of the first first ones to get that. So, uh, yeah, definitely. But I'd love to have you on and uh, talk about the book and link to the book and all that. I think I think my audience would really enjoy that. So. Okay. Great. Yeah. Let's do it. That sounds. That sounds. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. All right. Well, thanks I'll let a lot, you, Paul. I'll let, you, I'll let you go to bed here, George. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Paul. George, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome back anytime. What a fascinating conversation. I'm glad that we were able to connect and actually do this. Hopefully, I can get on um, or get you back on the podcast here in, in future episodes because you're just a wealth of information. I really like your content, sir. Uh, and I like all the tips and and advice that you give to to other men, especially guys going through hard times, you know, and uh, almost none of us end up in this space without having gone through some hard times. <laughs> all right, guys, that's all I have for this episode. Please, if you haven't done so already, like, subscribe, hit those notifications. I got new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, if you didn't know. Drop a comment. Any comment will do your favorite emoji. All that stuff boosts us in algorithms. Thanks to anyone that sent super chats. If you didn't, that's okay. We'll catch you on the live stream. That's all right. Follow me on social media. The links are in the description, guys. Get on the email list, list.comeonmanpod.com. I'll send you 20 dating app openers. You'll get a free chapter of my book, and you also get some free stickers. You can get that at list.comeonmanpod.com. Speaking of the book, you can get the book in all versions, including Audible and Kindle edition. If you go to books.comeonmanpod.com, Check out my Practical Law of Attraction course, guys. It's a mindset course, so check that out at loa.comeonmanpod.com. And once you get your mind right, everything else falls into place. Join the Beer Club. It's a good group of dudes. We have a very active Telegram community, and we uh, we have meetups every month. In fact, the next meetup is going to be on the 18th, January 18th. So join the Beer Club now, guys. You can join with a free trial, and you know it's just a good outlet for guys. And then finally, coaching's available at gumroad.comeonmanpod.com. That's all I got this time. We'll see you guys Wednesday for the live stream. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, Go out and get it.